It's Thursday, January the 14th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Trump impeached again and Italy's government shaken. First, the world in brief. America's House of Representatives made Donald Trump the first president to be impeached twice, this time for inciting an attack on the Capitol. Ten Republicans joined all 222 Democrats in the vote. To be removed from office, Mr. Trump would need to be convicted by the Senate, which is adjourned until January 19th, the day before Joe Biden succeeds him. National Guardsmen were bivouacked within the Capitol to defend it during the impeachment hearing. Another 20,000 will be deployed for the inauguration. Matteo Renzi, Italy's former Prime Minister, pulled his support from the country's ruling coalition, faulting the government's erratic response to the pandemic. Three ministers belonging to Mr Renzi's small Italia Viva party resigned from Giuseppe Conte's cabinet. It is not yet clear whether the Prime Minister can salvage his coalition or must try to form a new government. Estonia's Prime Minister Yuri Ratas quit, prompting the collapse of a controversial coalition government that included the far-right ECRE. Members of Mr Ratas's centre party have been accused of diverting loans intended for COVID-19 relief to a property development company. Several European countries announced stricter lockdowns in an attempt to slow the spread of coronavirus infections amid sluggish vaccination campaigns that are not expected to yield results until spring. Italy extended its state of emergency until April, while Germany and the Netherlands have indicated that restrictions will remain in place until at least February. Switzerland and Sweden both tightened their measures. Data from Israel showed that a single dose of the COVID-19 vaccine developed by Pfizer and BioNTech cuts infection rates by at least a third within 10 to 12 days. Infections fell by 60% after 14 days, other data showed. More than 20% of Israelis have received at least one jab. Meanwhile, early trial results suggested that Johnson & Johnson's experimental single-dose vaccine produced an immune response in almost all its volunteers. It could apply for regulatory approval within weeks. Intel announced that Bob Swan, the American chipmaker's boss since 2018, will step down. Third Point, an activist hedge fund, had pushed for a change of management to improve the company's performance. Intel has struggled to match its rivals, and last year Apple announced it would stop putting its chips in laptops. Mr Swan will be replaced by Pat Gelsinger, the boss of VMware, a software company. And after a brief stay of execution, Lisa Montgomery, a prisoner in Texas who murdered a 23-year-old pregnant woman and cut out her victim's fetus in 2004, was put to death. She was the first female federal inmate to be executed in America in 67 years. Earlier this week, a judge cited the need to assess Ms. Montgomery's mental competence before proceeding, but the conservative-leaning Supreme Court subsequently voted to allow her execution. And now, here's today's agenda. The final chapter, Donald Trump is impeached again. One week before leaving office, President Donald Trump became the only president to be impeached twice. All 222 House Democrats, and unlike last year, 10 Republicans, supported the article accusing him of inciting insurrection by encouraging the mob that attacked the Capitol last week. 
What happens next is uncertain. The Senate, which has the power of removal, will not meet until January 19th, Mr Trump's last day in office. Chuck Schumer, who will become Senate Majority Leader, has vowed to hold a trial, but whether a president can be convicted after he has left office is unclear. Democrats, who want more certain and immediate punishment for Mr Trump, have suggested two speedier constitutional options involving the 25th and 14th Amendments. Neither route is likely to succeed. As for Mr Trump, his social media accounts have been muzzled and his allies are showing clear signs of insubordination. Republicans may wish to exercise him from their party. Their demons may haunt them nonetheless. Back to the start, the origins of COVID-19. An international team of scientists will fly to Wuhan today to study, alongside Chinese counterparts, the origins of COVID-19. The World Health Organization has been trying to organize the trip since early 2020, but has been hampered by international politics. The Trump administration spent much of the year blaming the Chinese for the outbreak of COVID-19. This created political sensitivity in China about allowing any outside investigation into how the virus first took hold. Although the virus was first detected in a market in Wuhan, it later emerged that earlier cases occurred elsewhere. The virus is ultimately likely to have come from bats. The team will have to figure out how the virus travelled to Wuhan. It may, for example, have hopped into an intermediate species before entering humans. But the first task will be to identify the potential source of infection of the early cases, a task made harder by the passage of time. An economic miracle, Germany's GDP. Today, Distatis, Germany's federal statistics office, is expected to report that the country's economy contracted by 5.1% last year because of measures taken to contain the COVID-19 pandemic. The slump in GDP is painful, but not as bad as the 9% plunge forecast for France and the 11.2% that Spain is expected to lose. Germany's position is less dire because its stronger fiscal position meant it could afford more generous help for companies, families and freelancers. The country's focus on high-quality manufacturing helped too. Most German factories stayed open during the two lockdowns in 2020, which limited the fall in output. Because the latest lockdown will probably continue into February, economists expect another contraction in the first quarter of this year. But then they say Germans can look forward to a strong rebound once the weather becomes milder and more of them are vaccinated against the coronavirus. You say you want a Renault-lution? Renault's relaunch. If the wince-inducing quality of the wordplay is any sign, the Renault-lution to be unveiled today by the French carmaker may not succeed. Luca Di Meo, six months after becoming chief executive of Renault, is due to reveal his plan to turn around one of the world's worst performing car companies. He has plenty to consider. A stuttering strategy and the pandemic led to record losses in 2020. Cost-cutting efforts may need to exceed those announced before he took over, but that will be tricky. The French government, an important shareholder, will not take kindly to any job losses or factory closures. Mr. De Meo will also need a scheme to sell more profit-generating SUVs and come up with a convincing electrification strategy. And hanging over all this is Renault's troubled relationship with its alliance partner Nissan, on the rocks since the arrest of Carlos Ghosn, their ex-boss in Japan in 2018. Bonne chance. 
Ballots and bullets, elections in Uganda. Even if they bring tear gas trucks, sings Bobby Wine in Kiarenga, a recent hit, I will die with the one I love. Ostensibly a story about wooing a woman away from a richer suitor, it is also a metaphor for rescuing Uganda from Yoweri Museveni, president since 1986. Today, the pop star and the strongman are both on the ballot as Ugandans go to the polls after the most violent election campaign in their country's history. Mr. Wine's campaign team is in jail, some of his supporters have been kidnapped, and social media have been shut down. Victory for Mr. Museveni is almost certain, but after it, the real struggle may begin. Mr. Wine, who commands a huge following in the cities, will probably call his youthful supporters onto the streets. State security forces shot scores of people dead during protests in November. The army lorries now stationed around Kampala send an ominous message to voters. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Albert Schweitzer, who was born on this day in 1875. The only way out of today's misery is for people to become worthy of each other's trust. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.